Blog Talk Radio. podcast featuring Elvira Love and Phoenix LaFay, two out-of-the-room-closet professional witches with over 70 years combined experience of making magic. This is a show on the LMC Radio Network. During each show, Elvira and Phoenix will help you create rituals, make spells, make potions, and much more besides. They'll spend time speaking about different goddesses from all over the world, paying attention to the ancient reverence of long-ago cultures and infusing it with a modern perspective. Elvira, Phoenix, take it away. Well, I'm not taking it outside or on the road. It's too smoky. Yeah. Way too smoky. This has been a really interesting week, but mostly the end of the week. Yeah. All of us woke up on Thursday to this whole process, mm-hmm. and it was how many people I have talked to, including you know myself, feel we've gone back. Right. Yeah. There are fires up in the Chico area of California and in Malibu, which is in Southern California, thousands of hundreds, not thousands, hundreds of miles away. Hundreds of miles away. Um, so they're not; those two fires are not related, but... Uh, they're on either side of the state. And Chico is about three hours away from where we are, but we are, got hit with all the smoke. And I, I watched it yesterday. Yes. Around noon, maybe, just mm-hmm. like start coming over the hillside and we've been in a red flag warning we will be through this weekend so i was terrified that it was something here because there was so much smoke but it's not it's three hours away it's pretty intense yeah interesting though we've had little spot things like howith park which is literally around the corner almost from here with a one acre vegetation fire yesterday and then we had a building fire go somewhere you know in I think it was Bonart Park or something. I don't remember, but it was like we, we've had some weird mm-hmm. things kind of pop up. Um, so who knows if we want to go to conspiracy or not. Who cares? At this point, it's still fire, and it's yeah. ugly. Yeah. So, And the sad part is I have a friend who was in this fire here and on the street just before you go up the canyon here, there's a street, and I can't remember the name of it, but it's you, you have to turn left. And all the the buildings were burned on that, mm-hmm. but it stopped coming down towards us here in my, you know, where we're at. But his house, his he was renting a guest house. It burned, so he moved up to Paradise. Oh, and his oh. his family helped him buy, you know, they bought a house up there and everything, and now he evacuated and I don't know they said the whole town was leveled yeah. so I have no idea yeah. seems pretty bad yeah and on top of that there was another shooting this week in California oh yes so we're just it's 13 people 13 people the gunman. the gunman so it was 12 people and the gunman right so it's just been it's been an intense week it's you know, Outside of the elections, and the elections. Thank you. I knew I was forgetting something. I was like, very important. Something else that was catastrophic. <laughs> Although, really, the elections went basically how I expected them to. So it was, there's and, still some runoffs happening, but it's it's freaking weak. And we didn't, you know, everyone expected the elections to be an intense week. Yeah. Uh, 
but the rest of it seems like it just, you know, this yeah. bubble burst and all this blah is coming out. Right. So that being said, I don't know how we want to describe our week except as part of what has been going on affecting different, you know, day-to-day experiences or not, but that was, it's pretty pretty intense. Right. You know, and Very intense, yeah. thinking that, you know, Thanksgiving is like two weeks away. Yeah, and, and which is so bizarre to me, too. Yeah, I know. I'm sitting here trying to put my wrap my head around yeah. some of the the process here. It's like, gosh. So that, other than that, I, you know, what can I say, you know? We're here. By luck of, of the draw, technically, from what Phoenix was telling me, she's actually across the, the table from me. We weren't going to have that today. Yeah, yeah. The the fires actually changed the day. The the kids were school was canceled for the kids in town. Yeah. So it changed my whole schedule and and made me available to drive Televirus today. Otherwise, I wasn't going to be able to. <laughs> and I would have been sitting here like me 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 me. <laughs> so obviously, I am you know kind of jacked by that so which is great and we have a really interesting um show we decided to keep in the last shadow of the Samhain time frame we're doing the mighty dead yeah so how would you describe phoenix the term mighty dead yeah well um so you know the i need to just have a moment and let my brain work. <laughs> I haven't I haven't used words in language and speaking out my mouth very much today because I've been editing uh-huh. my book, so I have to re-engage that part of my brain that actually speaks. <laughs> okay, so uh, the seventh, which was what Wednesday, yeah. So this past Wednesday was astrological Samhain. 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 Samhain for many people was this last Wednesday. So we are still in the tide of Samhain and Uh and working with the ancestors and all that fun stuff. I don't actually know how long this term's been used. I was talking with Jason Menke recently and he was like, oh, it was first used by blah, blah, blah in blah, blah, blah. And I don't remember what he said because I'm a terrible person. Um, But it's been around for a while, this term. Right. uh, The mighty dead or the mighty dead of the craft. Right. Uh, And basically it's a a special category of ancestors that are witches or pagans or people who helped the tradition of witchcraft and paganism follow the lineage and stay alive. Right. So there are, you know, BNPs, big name pagans that you may have heard of that wrote books or were famous or whatever, but really, and and that's who we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about the, the BNPs mm-hmm. that you may have heard their names and you may or may not know their stories, uh, but there are literally thousands of other mighty dead, witches right. who died, pagans who died, whose names we don't know because they were just a quiet high priestess leading a little coven. Uh-huh. They were an herbalist or a healer that lived on the edge of a village. They were a root doctor in the south, and their community knew them, and they may have taught someone uh-huh. their their trade or their skills, but they didn't reach the status where their name is known on a collective level. Right. So the mighty dead of the craft, the mighty dead, are the are, are witch ancestors. That sounds like a wonderful, and I remember there was someone locally mm-hmm. who was very much a part of the community that you we just lost. Yes, and that that particular person would be part of what we now call the mighty dead, right? Because of what was what this person, this woman, was able to do with the craft, with the people that were part of it, and the community. So, um, yeah, you know it. Uh, it kind of gives a level up there. So, but obviously, since we don't know all of these wonderful people, um, and can't really, I think, channel them through as I would consider mediumship not my forte. Um, we're going to basically we just picked a few, mostly because they're ones that you know are iconic in 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 where they were in bringing this whole resurgence. Yeah. And so I'm going to list them all, and then we're just going to 
jump in with one of them. So we have done a show on Gardnerian yeah. uh, tradition. So we will briefly touch on Gerald Gardner. Yeah. And then on the same note, Doreen Valente, mm-hmm. uh, who obviously we will mention more of, and Margot Adler, mm-hmm. and Raymond Buckland, yeah. and Dion Fortune. Yes. So this is, and it's interesting because you know, I got to do some more, you know, I got my research down, of course, sitting up trying to read everything and not fall asleep, not because they were boring, but because I was tired was a challenge because some of these people have an immense history. Yeah. So on that note, I think we can, I think let's go with Margot Adler. Okay. I think that's, I. She. it's very interesting because... One of the things that I remember briefly, and I've got to remember, I don't even know the name of the movie, but they said she was so great. She went from, oh, you're going to know this one. She's so She was so good, she went from bell, book, and candle to drawing down the moon. Mm, right. And that happened to be All Souls Trilogy. Oh, how funny. And I kept thinking of that as I was listening to that about Margot Adler, because that is a very iconic book, Drawing Down the Moon, that she put together. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, Drawing Down the Moon was released, I think, in 1979, I think. Yeah, 79. And it was also the same year that The Spiral Dance by Starhawk came out. Ah! (laughs) So it's it's really across the board, especially with scholars and witchcraft and pagans, Mm -hmm. I feel like... Between Margot Adler and Starhawk, completely transformed what paganism and witchcraft look like, and in very different ways. Because Starhawk's book is very much eclectic and uh, more anarchist and feminist, mm-hmm. and Margot Adler's book is very much traditional Wicca, traditional mm-hmm. witchcraft, mm-hmm. And, and British traditional witchcraft. And she writes about some of the in Drawing Down the Moon. She writes about some of the traditions that were alive and thriving in the late 70s. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so you get a really cool snapshot of what witchcraft looked like at the time. And Mm -hmm. then she did a revision in the 90s and a revision in the early 2000s. And so she kind of updates it, like, now that we have the Internet, what does it look like? And, you know, updates. But Drawing Down the Moon is one of the books I recommend to all newbies. Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. It's really well written. And she was a journalist. Yes. So it's written like a journalist would write. Right. You know, even though she was a high priestess and she was a witch, so she was writing this book with a lot of her personal perspective, mm-hmm. but she wrote it like a journalist. Right. So it's yeah. not exactly, um, it's not woo. It's, yeah, it's very, it has, um, it, it gives you the feeling of somebody telling you something that you would get in any kind of regular school, college curriculum. Yeah. Because it's written in that way. It's not written with the mystical and the, as you say, the woo. And it's interesting because her background fascinated me. I mean, outside of the fact that, first of all, she was born in Little Rock, Arkansas. Right. You know, I, you know, she, that's four hours away from where I'm going to visit. It's like <laughs> I should make a pilgrimage down there, um, which I find interesting. And But she did grow up in New York, so in New York City. So that yeah. is really, it gave her the... The worldly side and the the fact that she went into, you know, um, what was her? She attended the High School of Music and Art and she went into journalism. And she actually, you know, and this is interesting. Are you going to be ready for this? I think one of our listeners will probably be jacked on this. Her grandfather, Alfred Adler, was a noted Austrian Jewish psychotherapist collaborator with Sigmund Freud and the founder of the school, who is the founder of the School of Individual Psychology. Oh, fancy. So she had a background in, and it's funny because I will say this just as a aside, mm-hmm. several of the people mm-hmm. have had backgrounds in psychology. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which fascinated me. Yeah. Oh, wow. But she came with that, you know, that background, of course, made it out here to California and Berkeley. <laughs> Right, you know, and like you do, like you do, and and got her master's at Columbia, New York again, and then she wound up obviously going into journalism and radio. 
Yeah. And NPR radio. And, yeah. I mean. Yeah, and she is well known for people who are fans of NPR. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's known. That's a name that people know. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and her radio show was on for some ridiculous amount of time. I don't remember the years now, but a long time. Yeah. Yeah. A long time. And she was a, a highly regarded uh, reporter. Right. It's it's fascinating because it was talking about here when she joined as an assignment reporter and then eventually became, you know, um, going to freelance, et cetera. She, uh, it was amazing. She had things that she talked on. This is one of our mighty dead, mm-hmm. and she was busy talking about things like the death penalty, the right to die movement, the response to Kosovo, um, computer gaming, the drug ecstasy, mm-hmm. geek culture, children and technology, Pokemon. I mean, it was just like I was reading and I was going, my goodness, from where she, I mean, it isn't that she veered off. Yeah. Because as you say, Starhawk in her own right was coming out at the same time as right. this with the feminist and the, yeah. the proactive point of reference. Yeah. So these were two this woman here, Margot Adler, was one of two females that we have in our tradition mm-hmm. that was very involved outside of the religious point of reference of spirituality. They took it, yeah. and they were basically part of this other movement. Yeah. And this became part of their life as a, you know, they began mm-hmm. to see life as both of these things, not just giving up one for the other. Right. And she only died... Four years ago, so she died in 2014. Yep, 2014. 2014, and um, in the years before that, because she was diagnosed with cancer three years before that, 2011, mm-hmm. um, and it wasn't until 2014, really, that she started to get really sick. I know. So the years before that, she was still traveling and doing lectures. Mm-hmm. She mm-hmm. would present at Pantheacon every year. Wow. She would do... Um, my partner, Glenn, went to one of her workshops, I think, in 2013, the year before she died. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was about pagan chants. And basically they sang chants through the whole workshop. They did, there was no lecture. There was no wow. ritual. Uh-huh. It was singing mm-hmm. the whole time. Mm-hmm. And he said it was just amazing. Well, that's, that's amazing because I know that the other book that she wrote, Heretic's Heart, mm-hmm. A Journey Through Spirit and Revolution, was done in 1997. So she, you know, kind of... Yeah. Gave her time and then put something in that. And, and, you know, these are all interesting and very much a part of our world. And I was just, I mean, I have an actual book, not a Kindle, an actual book <laughs> of probably the more, the older version of Drawing Down the Moon. Yeah. And she is consistently quoted or referred to right. in any of the more uh, moderner, moderner, that's not even it, more modern, <laughs> Um, reference books and things. So I was just like jumping off my chair when I started finding things out about it. Yeah. But um, one of her quotes, I found this really interesting, was the first time I called myself a witch was the most magical moment of my life. Mm -hmm. And I thought of that and I thought, you know, that's how we as witches Mm -hmm. feel rather than suddenly feeling that we're a witch and then wanting to run under the table and hide. <laughs> it's not a, a, a thing of fear. No. But of joy. So I don't know. Do you have any other things? You know, I have – it's funny because I, I decided I would do for these quotes. I'd find their nice. quotes that they, they used in their – what they talk about, sometimes things that – we look at it and I go, I don't get what they're saying, but right. you know, some of them are are kind of trippy. Yeah. So. No, I like it. No, I don't have. I mean, that's that's the 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 big and the small of it. I think you know, like mm-hmm. that's the, ba- the 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 quick overview of her life, and mm-hmm. um, she traveled all over Europe and the United States, teaching and learning and researching for the books that she wrote. She was an Aries, if you're interested in that. Uh, you know, I'm always curious about things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and one of the things we say uh, when we talk about the dead is what is remembered lives. And so I would just say, Margot Adler, what is remembered lives. Truly. Truly. Yeah. And I really found peace. Mm. You know, it was it was a nice, peaceful. She did a lot, but I didn't see a lot of, I'm not sure there was drama, but it's interesting I didn't, 
it didn't seem to flow in yeah what I was reading. Yeah, she seems like of of a, some of the um mighty dead. She seems just super mellow. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of controversy or drama around her. Right. Yeah. So let's drop into um <laughs> one full of drama, um Doreen Virch Valente. Doreen, Doreen Valente. Yes. And when I say drama, there's it's yeah. 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 Well, those Gardnerians. I know. I know. They really are all over the place. Yeah. But, um, and it's, you know, I really want to say, so far as, except for one of the people, they all, for me, it's like she lived, she was born January 4th, 1922 in South London, England, and she died September 1st, 1999 in Brighton, England. And... You know, when I say 1999, and we were talking just about Margot Adler, you know, yeah. 2014. I mean, these are right around the ago. corner. Yeah, it doesn't seem that long ago, but it no. was. It was almost 20 years ago. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, so. Yeah, so she was a Capricorn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to have the astrology. I have to say a byproduct here is that because Phoenix is putting more energy into studying astrology, we will have more bits and tidbits of astrology creeping into our show. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Doreen's an interesting lady, and she's uh, a, the mother of Gardnerian Wicca, and we did a whole show on Gardnerian Wicca, so we, we're not going to spend a ton of time talking about Gardnerian Wicca, mm-hmm. right, because... Go listen to that other show if you want to know more about it. But there you go. But she's definitely the mother of that tradition. Mm-hmm. Her and, and Gerald Gardner worked very closely together, and a lot of what remains of his writings is actually her writing. Yes. Go figure. I know. I was, and I think we touched on this briefly in that show because obviously we we're talking about Gardnerian, yeah. and it kind of came up, but. I mean, this is the woman who literally, and she did it for many different ones. She didn't just, I mean, Gardnerian was one, but then as her history moved on and she kind of moved to different, uh, you know, different places, it became obvious that she was the one that seemed to have the ability and the craft to write things. Yeah, she was the poet. She was the poet. Yeah. You know? Yeah. What I find interesting about... Um, uh, and this is kind of skipping ahead, but I'm mm-hmm. skip ahead on the fairly Sure, why not? Uh, she and Gardner had a falling out, and she left the Gardnerian mm-hmm. she was a part of. Mm-hmm. And here is why they had a falling out, supposedly. Let's keep in mind that we don't really know right. everything. None of these people are alive anymore. I don't want any emails like, nah, that's not what happened. Here is what I believe to be true and what I have been told. Okay. Right? Got it. So in 19... I can't remember the date now because I suck at remembering numbers, but <laughs> England repealed the witchcraft law, and right. Gerald Gardner, that same year, published his book about witchcraft today. Right. In 1953, I think, yep, uh, um, Valiente was initiated into Gardnerian, and she quickly became his high priestess, blah, blah, blah. The reason they had a falling out is because Gardnerian continued to want to be famous. He wanted to be known. He wanted to make yes. Wicca a thing that was, you know, a common. He wanted to be big. And, right. And he succeeded. I mean, fuck, we're talking about him right now. Mm-hmm. But she didn't want that. Mm-hmm. She actually felt like seeking fame and glory and, and being the big priest was the antithesis of what spiritual pursuit actually was. Right. Right. So although she was quite famous and quite is quite famous and, and was featured in many public articles and writings and, mm-hmm. you know, was photographed in newspapers and shit like that, that wasn't her driving force. Right. That, that's why they had a falling out. Mm-hmm. So there you go. I find that very interesting. Gardner was more interested in fame and she was not. And it, and it goes with, and I'm going to say this, it's going to be out there, the male... The male side of the world wants ego to be the driving force, and ego and fame. Not that women don't, not that the feminine doesn't, but when that becomes the driving force, you lose sight yeah. of the the other side of the depth that the feminine is able to give, even in a in a, a more 
proactive way as a right. feminist in, in that you lose that. And she definitely was, you know, she wanted to do the things that she could do and put it out there, but she really wasn't, um, she didn't have that drive or she wouldn't have spent so much time with different groups doing what she loved, which is being the poet, the writer, right. the one who brought forth the spoken spiritual right. process. Right. And later in her life, and actually that's not true because it was more like in the 70s, not in the late 90s, but at, uh-huh. a, at some point she started to change her tune uh-huh. about being a Wiccan, and she started to to speak on anyone could practice Wicca, and they didn't uh-huh. have to be initiated. Right. That was a huge about face because yes. that was not true before that. Uh-huh. Uh, you, It was required initiation, and it, there are still um, splits uh-huh. on that belief. There are definitely uh-huh. people who say you can only be a Wiccan if you've been initiated into a Wiccan lineage, uh-huh. and there are others who say anyone can be a Wiccan. So, right, you know, that's pretty interesting, too. The other weird thing about her, she was pretty conservative. Yep, to all right, politics. Right, but also, like, a proponent of earth mysteries and ley lines uh-huh. and alternative healing uh-huh. and alternative spirituality, uh-huh. but she was super conservative and and politically right like i know that's so weird to me yeah well you know i guess in a, in a way though it it presents us with i don't want to say the dichotomy but the harmony the yeah. marriage between true the process rather than constantly trying to to you know it's either this or the other or we are constantly battling to you know blah 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 that kind of thing um it was just yeah you know i was i was really excited about reading about her and her contributions to what we have. And, I mean, things that we call things that we know, I mean, the charge of the goddess. Right. All right? That is, you know, the the big one. And, Absolutely. Uh, you know, I was reading the different things, and she basically said, this is interesting, they have different ways of putting it, like, and it harm none, do what ye will. Mm-hmm. Uh and then they, of course, put a different uh, spin on some of the parts of the charge of the goddess. But um, she was, I mean, she was able to really channel. And to say that she was the mother yeah. of the Gardnerian, she was the mother. Yeah, absolutely. Period. Yeah. But, um, and she was prolific in her own way. I mean, she wrote several books, all of which, you know, came out in different time frames and she mostly from what I'm seeing publication dates is 1962 to 2016 was when the publications were, even though she passed away in, well, she did in um, 1999. So they may have published books after yeah. her. And the Center for Pagan Studies, I think, was what she finally put everything together under at the very end um, from what I am looking at here is eager to promote the Pagan Research Association and then the Pagan Front during the 60s and 70s. So that was part of where she put a lot of her energy with the publications. Yep. Yeah. So I was highly impressed. And, of course, as we said, we've talked a little bit about her on other things and how, and we will get a little more controversial, is that it how a lot of the men were the ones that were the forefront right. and the females the where they were the face and the females were the the, the power behind the throne. Right. Yeah. So I think, but um, I think, what is it? <laughs> I'm trying to, well, because I have a quote, but I want to be sure because it's like one of those that just gives you the last name and it's like, I don't want to just say, oh, and this person said, that, you know, blah, 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 but she's actually been, you know, people have said she deserves credit for having helped transform the craft from being the hobby of a handful of eccentric Brits into being an international religious movement. Right. So. (laughs) Just a bunch of eccentric Brits. I know. I love it. I love it. Well, and you know, the funny part is, and I was saying this to Phoenix beforehand, a lot of the people that I have done reading about all come, well, not all, a bulk of the one we're going to talk about come from upper middle class 
well-to-do. Um, some of them even have little, you know, taglines of wealthy yeah. attached to it. People that have, this is their family background. Right. So you kind of go, okay, well, I don't think it's born out of wealth. I just think yeah. it's born. Well, and she was middle class-ish. Yes. So, so, you know, so far we haven't gotten to anyone who is dirt poor, although there definitely are mighty dead who were. Well, yes, and those, like we were talking about, people that were part of the the community. Right. You know, think people who worked in the community as a, as the you know, get their hands on the on the things and they're they're really into that kind of stuff. And and but the ones that we talk about now are the ones that had the books written about them or that they wrote books on. Right, exactly. So we're talking about the you know, the big names. The big names. So I think she can can be part of our, our group and I, I think we should give an idea to one of the men coming down the road. I don't know if we have if we're supposed to take a break or not. Oh. We should probably take a break. Yes. It's time. I forgot. Okay. Okay. Ready? Go. Here we go. You're listening to The Witch, The Priestess, and The Cauldron, a radio podcast on the LMC Radio Network. Stay tuned as more magic is coming your way right after these messages. LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include the Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rootwork Hour with Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman Ollie, Sundays 3 to 4.30, the Crystal Silence League Hour with John St. Germain, Tuesdays 5 to 6, Blue Flag Root Radio with Lady Muse, Fridays 4 to 5, and The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Phoenix Le Fay, Fridays 6 to 7. All time specific, add three hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. Wow, that was exciting. Yeah, sorry if that felt like a long, quiet, awkward break because it was. I got booted out of the studio and had to log back in. And then she freaked out and, and we were doing really well. But here we are. Here we are. And we're back. And we're back. Okay, so we're going to go with a man. A Raymond. man. Yes, a man. Raymond Buckland. Raymond Buckland, who is lovingly referred to as Uncle Bucky. Uncle Bucky. This is nice to know. I didn't know that. See? What more can I tell you? Okay, well, this gentleman was obviously born in England, London, August 31st, 1934, is a... Alexandrian? Well, he is Alexandrian, but um, <laughs> I was trying to get you to see oh, you the astrological... Oh, Libra? Is that right? Oh my gosh! August thirty September. No, Leo. 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 It's okay. We're getting there. And he died September twenty seventh, twenty seventeen. He was eighty three yeah. years old, and he was in Ohio. Yeah. I mean, I a, he again, Central United States. There's yeah. a man. Although well, he wasn't born in Ohio. No, he was. He died in Ohio. He was yeah. born in London, England. Right. He's a Brit, but he's he a Brit came here. He came here, he brought, oh, he's not an Alexandrian. I lied about that. Sorry, everybody. He's Gardnerian. Yeah. And, uh, okay, was he at Wicca? Yeah. Okay, that was he his. He created his he own. He created his own. Yeah. Okay. He brought, Buckland is who brought Wicca to the United States. Yes. So yes. he was initiated in England and moved to the United States with his wife, Rosemary, and they started a line uh, that, who was not his wife at his end of life, but they started the line of um, Gardnerian witchcraft that's in the United States. So anyone who's a Gardnerian in the United States should be able to trace their lineage back to Raymond Buckland, assuming you were initiated by an American Gardnerian coven and not an English Gardnerian coven. Right. 
when his magical name was Robot. Oh, how nice. Yes. Just because I was thinking that's pretty cool. Oh, well, and obviously, you know, again, this is, you know, someone who is prolific in his own writing. So mm-hmm. he started with witchcraft from the inside in 1971 yep. and kind of moved his way through. And my, one of my first witchcraft books, and one I actually, people talk shit about it because people have feelings about Raymond Buckland in general, but um, the Buckland Book of Shadows, it's a big blue book. It's yes. Uncle Bucky's big blue book. Yes. That was a great book for me when I was a young witch, just mm-hmm. reading things. It mm-hmm. has a lot of entry-level information, mm-hmm. a lot of ways to develop your skills mm-hmm. and abilities and I love that book. I still yep. think it's a great book. Yep. I know some people wouldn't agree, but I really like well, it. Well, and, you know, some of the interesting things about having the older versions before they start upgrading them, so to speak, is it's what really started. Yeah. And then, yes, things moved along, and, yes, they 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 had more finesse, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, it was just I have that book, too, yeah. and it was, again, one of those that we keep referring back to along with some of the others, even though we may find things that have been better done or more, you know, more graphic of something, but, you know, this is a man who, he had a Romani father, so it was interesting that his mother being English, um, Romani was his was his paternal side. And, I mean, obviously, you know, raised in Anglican church, but he wound up having an interest. And it's interesting. This is not the first time I've read that. At age 12, you know, or when they were a young teen. Right, right. It's, and all, you know, I I can't say I did, I didn't, but you have. Mm-hmm. At your teen years, that's what you started yeah. to explore. Yeah. Uh, so it's interesting that, again, some of our mighty dead, this is when they started getting the the desire just to quest beyond their own little grouping. Right. So um, then, you know, his family moved around England and all the rest of it. So other than that, he was in the British Royal Air Force. Mm-hmm. And then later worked for a commercial airline. British Airways. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> And then um, he and his wife came over to the United States in 1962 and lived in Long Island, New York. Right. No cheap place to live. So from there, obviously, he did have, I think, three wives. I think there were three. Oh, there were three. I knew there was two. I didn't know there was three. I think there were three. I didn't pay that close attention. Yeah, well, he. but it's interesting because he became friends with Gardner. Yeah. But over telephone conversation. Right. And um, becoming Gardnerian spokesperson, obviously, in America, but he did befriend, I guess, Margaret St. Clair, who is the um, author of The Sign of the Labrace. The Labrace? Labrace. Labrace. Mm-hmm. And um, they went to Scotland, got initiated by the high priestess Mon- uh, Monique Wilson, known as Lady Owen. Yep. And Gardner did, it says Gardner attended the ceremony. Right. He didn't perform it. Right. And then he died shortly after. Shortly after. But so, uh, my, the skeptical part of Phoenix is like, yeah, right. That is that is a legend right there. Like, of course, Gerald Gardner was at my initiation into Gardnerian Wicca. And, of course, he died shortly thereafter because I was his spokesperson for American witchcraft. I find it hard to believe. Maybe it's true, and if it's true, beautiful. But I'm, I don't, I don't know that that's true. Whatever, <laughs> whatever. He still, he was still initiated in Gardner's line. Right. He brought Gardnerian Wicca to the United States. Right. And the Long Island line of Gardnerian witchcraft still exists. It said here, now this is another one of those I'll give you the chance to go eh, again, is that he, <laughs> I love this, it's kind of like we don't have a buzzer, but we can, <laughs> that following their meeting, obviously, the supposed non-meeting meeting, yeah. he brought the Gardnerian Book of Shadows with them to the United States. 
Right, right. Well, you see, back in the day, before photocopy machines and computers, mm-hmm. when you were initiated into Gardnerian, or pretty much any initiation, you were then required to write down the Book of Shadows from your high priest, mm-hmm. high priestess, into your own Book of Shadows. You right. had to transcribe it by hand. Right. And in some lineages, that was part of the ritual. Like, you didn't get to go home until you were done transcribing that shit, even if it was 500 pages. Probably unlikely, but... Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he did bring the Gardnerian Book of Shadows home because uh-huh. he would have had to have transcribed it to uh-huh. come home and do rituals. Right. <laughs> Which is interesting because, again, we have, you know, again, the sacred book, but yeah. it wasn't yeah. the original, original. It was his having to go through the process. Right, right, right. But it does sound way more mysterious when it's like... And then he brought the blessed Gardnerian Book of Shadows from across the pond to Long Island. Long Island. Long Island. Yeah, right. No, we're not there. But it started out as, you know, uh, they say they wanted to keep their identities, you know, yeah. um, secret. But he was outed. Yeah. I love it. Outed by, a you know, a particular... Uh, reporter, and then he decided, oh, what the hell? Yeah. So he kind of went on a radio show, and then he started driving around in a, hearse. in a hearse. I find it hard to believe that he was outed and then was like, okay, I think that was, uh, you know, maybe divine intervention. But, yeah, <laughs> once he was outed, he was full out. That was it. I'm going to go all the way. Yeah. But um, And it's interesting because one of the things that they did talk about with um, – and they do talk about this again with Gardner, but also with Doreen Valente, Valiente, is they have art, their museums. And the same thing with, um, I don't know about Margot Adler, but definitely Buckland, is they, they have museums yeah. that they have, you know, of witchcraft and magic in the United States, or witchcraft and magic in, you know, the British Isles, which is Gardnerian, or all of their... Uh, artifacts and writings, which was, you know, Doreen, yeah. and they they are actually, some of them got put in storage and they were, you know, and then they, mm-hmm. they finally were brought out and, and when they died, they, they made them into something really special, but they always seem to have found them and then preserved them. Right. Right. It seems like you can kind of look, and, and this bleeds over into other traditions, and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not saying any names or pointing fingers. That's not what I'm doing. Right uh-huh. But a lot of these people fancy themselves as amateur folklorists or um, they're studying up on the ancestry of this system or right. whatever. And and sometimes that process is to legitimize mm-hmm. what they're making up. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, I've made this up, but I'm going to go and look for historical things that might legitimize what I've made up. Right. Right? So if I call it a museum... It sounds more legit than mm-hmm. this is a bunch of shit about witchcraft I made up. Right. You know, and that's super skeptical me coming through right there. Uh, but it does. It does kind of. Yeah. I mean, all of us. If you look at any one of us who have gotten into this, we have our collection. Oh yeah. You know. Yeah. Come to the museum of Phoenix, and I will show you all of the artifacts. Of Phoenix, it's fascinating. Here's her underwear drawer. These are ancient underwear from Target. We are definitely getting into the, the theater of the absurd here. Kindle, where every night she would watch The Office until she fell asleep. You know, it's, it's the museum, so it's legitimate. It's not just a bunch of my crap that I use all the time. I have to remember this so that when I give my daughter the the option with what I am giving her, that she should do this. Yes. Yeah, I would like all of my artifacts to be put into a museum and not just left out on the street corner for the garbage man to pick up. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, there's something more to be said Sorry. about having a Sorry. sense of humor. So, obviously, he separated from his first wife yeah. and 73 and moved his museum to New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. And then he moved to Virginia. Mm-hmm. And then he disbanded the museum and put his artifacts in storage. Yes. Okay, and so those were sent off to uh, Covenant of the Pentacle Wiccan Church. Yes, in New Orleans. Like, in New Orleans, still there. Yes, they are actually. Oh wait, no, I lied. Now they're back in Ohio. They are back in Ohio. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. In 2015, the art- oh, yes. artifacts were turned over to the Temple of Sacrifice, a coven based in Columbus, 
which was originally co-founded by Raymond Buckland. And the collection will be on display as the Buckland Gallery of Witchcraft and Magic beginning on April 29, 2017. So for about a year and a half, they've been putting it together on display. On display. Yeah. Yep. Which is good. That's another reason why I should go to Ohio and go visit that. Mm-hmm. And you were right. He was married three times. Rosemary is the wife that brought Wicca into the United States with him. Uh-huh. Then he married his second wife. And in 1992, he married his third wife. Um, and he worked as a solitary after he was married to his third wife. Uh-huh. So there you go. Yeah. And he died but, of um, pneumonia and a heart. and Well, he had pneumonia and a heart attack yeah. and then eventually problems. lung problems. So, I mean... Just remember, lives. Yes. Yes. And let's see if I can find a quote or two from this great person that we could oh, yeah. leave with him, with our listeners. I was going to say viewers, but they aren't looking; they're listening. Um, oh, this was really great. Don't see a thing working; see it finished. Mm, nice. I like that one. That was the best one out of all of his quotes. I mean, not that I thought the ones that I found were, let's put it that way, of the ones that I found. Because it was simple and short and it was, you know, like, like it. there you go. So, Raymond Buckland. May he always be remembered. Yes. Thank you for your books. Yes. And he has a lot of them. He has actually, just real quick, he has a book about fortune telling. Yeah. And when I was a little baby witch at 16, there was a whole section on using the dice. Mm-hmm. I wore those pages out. <laughs> I loved doing dice readings. I haven't done it since I was 16. Maybe I should try that again. There you go. A new thing. Moving on. Yeah. Other Mighty Dents discussed. Okay. So, Dion Fortune. Dion Fortune. I fell in love with her storybooks. I mean, I know the other things that were, you know, psychic self-defense. Yeah, that's a good one. Some of the others that she, she very esoteric point of reference, but boy, when she started getting into those others, it was like, whoa! But, to go yeah. on. Now, she was from a well-to-do family. Yes. So, some of what she got to experience as a woman in England is because she was from an upper class family. Otherwise, some of these things would have been impossible. Right. But uh, December 6th, so she's Sagittarius, like Elvira. Yes. <laughs> and 1890, 1890, she was born Violet Mary First. Yes. I thought that was a beautiful name. And she died January 6th, 1946, at age 55 in mm-hmm. Middlesex, London. Yes. Okay, so statistics be they are, um, she is considered her, well, I mean, there's a lot of things. She considered herself a Kabbalist, Christian Kabbalist ceremonial magician. She co-founded the Fraternity of the Inner Light. Right, which is, the, I think that's the most fascinating thing for me about mm-hmm. uh, Dion Fortune. Well, two things. One is she created this fraternity, which is an interesting word because fraternity usually makes you think that it's a male order. Right. But she did a lot of esoteric exploration and spiritual work, and every group she was involved with, she found that they just weren't enough. They weren't good enough. They weren't on the mark enough. They weren't doing what she needed them to do. So she created her own order. Uh Uh-huh. Kick ass. Uh And that order still exists. Mm-hmm. The Fraternity of Inner Light is still an organization that exists, uh, and she was super into Glastonbury, which I am too. So I love Glastonbury so much. <laughs> I've only been there once, but I felt like I brought Came home. home. Absolutely. Yes. yes. Uh, and she wrote a lot about Glastonbury, mm-hmm. um, and I have all of her books. She is great. Yes. And maybe a little bit crazy. Yeah, well, you know, she she basically... Again, we're, there's um, Claire Prophet with the Ascended Masters. Actually, she is uh, very popular and, you know, part of the workings with Ascended Masters. But catch this one, lady. Dion Fortune did it way before you did. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she started basically channeling and talking and being taught by spiritual entities known as Ascended Masters. And Jesus was the master that was the first out of the the group to to really connect that she connected with. Yes, a little little sidebar, Mm -hmm. Ascended Masters. 
what the hell is that? So ascended masters are believed to be people who are energies, entities who are once human and were so evolved that when they crossed over, they're on a higher plane than most of the dead. So like Jesus, for example. And Buddha. Uh, yeah, Buddha. And there's a, like, there's, I don't remember how many. There's a very specific number. There's, of, I think, the 12 rays, yeah. and I know that they have different, you know, ascended masters. And, some you know, some are Hindu. They come from all, all over. Mm-hmm. But these are, these are entities who, while on work, Earth, did good works and then have continued to well, stay available. Well, St. Germain is one of them. Right. Okay. Right. So Dion Fortune was, was channeling the message of these entities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tra- what they call trance channels. Yeah. So that one made me just... I mean, some of this cosmic doctrine, I have that book. I'm like, I have that book. Yeah, I have some that trippy book. shit. You know, so she really did a lot. She was doing a lot well before 1929. She met Charles Loveday, and, and that's when they started doing work together. And he, uh, uh, with regards to Ascendant Masters, and said that the cosmic doctrine was uh, basically channeled or trans-channeled through them. And he... They were the ones that she established a base in Glastonbury, mm-hmm. and he he also came with money, and they bought yeah. they bought property, and then they they established their lodge in London, and I mean they did a lot of this in World War One, World War Two. There were a lot of things that you know they put things together, and she was planning for what was she believed was a coming a coming post war post World yeah. War Two age of Aquarius. Yeah. Unfortunately, she died of leukemia after the war's end, but she is considered the, you know, occultist, ceremonial magician. She is like the one. Right. In terms of that. And although she didn't live to see the age of Aquarius, and some might argue we haven't reached it, we've, like, occultism, spirituality, Mm -hmm. witchcraft, although she may have not called herself a witch, what she was doing was definitely in the same lineage as witchcraft. Mm Mm-hmm has really exploded from where it was in mm-hmm. the early 1900s when mm-hmm. she was alive. So mm-hmm. um, I think she'd be quite chuffed. Yes, definitely. Yeah. And, you know, she did, in her novels that came later, yeah. she started to look at the more pagan and Wicca yeah. points of reference. But um, definitely she started out more as a Christian Kabbalist and mystical Christian. And, but she... You know, she had her moments where she was not happy right. with Christianity as yeah. per se. Absolutely. And um, I thought, you know, reading some of these things, it was like she got very, um, this is going to take, you know, I consider her really important. And I really, when I started working with magic and spirituality and pagan and Wicca and all that, she was somebody that I really connected with, and not just because of her novels, but she is a purist, Mm -hmm. and her philosophy is that, and here we go, that the teachings of the Western esoteric orders cannot mix with Asian or Hindu or any of them, that it is totally that, and they shouldn't be mixed because they are pure and total. Yep. So when I say that, it's I'm not saying it as a bad thing. I'm saying it as what we would call traditional, like the traditional Hasidic mm-hmm. Jews mm-hmm. or Jewish people. Mm-hmm. They're very traditional. Right. Um, the Orthodox, you know, Russian Orthodox, very pure. The the the, the Roman Catholic, very pure. Yeah. Um, so these. That's how she viewed it as being part of that. You can engage in these things, but you don't mix the two or yeah. mix them together. And she wrote, as Elira mentioned, she wrote fiction as well. She wrote novels, and her novels are very occult, mm-hmm. very occult. But one of them, The Sea Priestess, mm. there are there's a lot of real witchcraft in that book. Mm-hmm. And one of the things mm-hmm. I love is reading fiction and having realness right. in the fiction. You know? right. like we've been watching this, um, The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina the Teenage Witch on Netflix. Mm-hmm. And there's a few things in that series that are real. You know, mm-hmm. So the Sea Priestess, there's um, a few devotions and rituals that are totally, uh, they've been reenacted. They're mm-hmm. so 
Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. You know, even her fiction is worth looking into and reading. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. And the goat-footed god and the winged um, bull. But the interesting thing was, and this is, I've got to go get this because technically, I'm hoping I remembered where it was. Um, hello, I need your fiction. The Secrets of Dr. Tavenar was mm. actually about um, a particular Freemason that she started her journey learning from. Oh, interesting. And his last name was Moriarty, which I thought was interesting. Right. Um, A lot of people. But it was it was basically after he, she took him and made that character from him. Oh. And I found that really interesting because when I did read the book, I was like, wow, here. And, I mean, so you get to, when you read the history of a person, right. Right. you get to go back some blanks. You know, fill in the blanks. But, yeah. um, yeah, and she definitely... She, you know, was not, okay, she kind of started out as a prude. They also call her a prude. Yeah, she, and she was. She was very conservative. But, again, think of the time. It was the late or the early 1900s. She was a upper-class British woman. Mm-hmm. She was prudish. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and she had very prudish ideas about sexuality. Yep. She basically, you know, was not, you know, regarding sex, warning readers about the perceived perils of masturbation, mm-hmm. extramarital sex, same-sex sexual activity, abortion, and free love. Figure that one in where we are now. Yeah, and that's, you know, like, I find sometimes things that can be problematic because there are these icons from the past, mm-hmm. um, and and they did good works, and they were revolutionary and they were problematic. Mm-hmm. You know, like, right, I'm not thinking of the unfortunate specifically. I'm actually thinking of Susan B. Anthony, mm-hmm. who was a major fight for women, fighter for women's rights. Mm-hmm. And she was a racist, terrible human being. Mm-hmm. However, mm-hmm. she also did good work. So it's mm-hmm. difficult to just completely write someone off because... Dan Fortune was a homophobe. I know. 100%. Bottom on the on the biggest thing is that she kind of mellowed with everything but that. Right. Whole, total homophobe. And uh, and that's terrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But she was a product of her time. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, and, you know, she did do things. Like, she, she kind of took the left and the right-hand path from the Blavatsky point of reference and got really into, you know, talking about moral, you know, the moral issue of the left-hand path and equating it to, obviously, you know, you had Aleister Crowley coming around at that point in reference. So that became another one of those, you know, things. And, and, you know, there's so much more uh, that she left us that we don't have to think exactly. about that stuff because it isn't, you don't yeah. throw the baby out with the bathwater. Right, yeah. You know? She is a good source. Definitely read mm-hmm. her books. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. What is but she, she definitely brought forth um, a great deal of information. And as I, we've constantly referred to psychic self-defense. Oh, yeah. Um, and actually, the reason why I, I think, and I, I don't remember where I have it in, in my notes, but the reason why that came about mm-hmm. was because of a particular woman who was a priestess who got upset at her. Yeah. And then they started basically a witch war. Right. And so she had a bunch of negative entities. And so I think out of that experience, that became, and she took it from the esoteric side. So she's not looking at it as you know, a very, you know, oh, my God, oh, my God, I've got to do this and this and this and fight. She took it from a deeper point of reference, and that's why her book has so much valuable information in it. Yeah, absolutely. So um, that's probably all we have time for. I know, I know. One quote I want to give. Oh, yeah, yeah. A religion without a goddess is halfway to atheism. (laughs) That's it. That's our last quote of the night. And Gerald Gardner, you can definitely read about him. He was, you know. Scott Cunningham, Victor and Cora Anderson. I mean, there are so many other Mighty Dead that we could have talked about. We just didn't have time. Right. But it's an introduction. And what I would say, again, like we started off talking about the Mighty Dead as 
uh, if you are a specific lineage, if you are if you follow a specific tradition or faith, a specific line, then ask your teachers and your high priestesses and your mentors who the mighty dead of your lineage are, mm-hmm. and make sure you are honoring them when you honor the other dead and the other ancestors. Exactly. We keep them alive when we tell their stories. Exactly. La la la. And. We're done. We're done. Well, we have one more thing we have to do, and that's announce what we're going to do next week. Kali. Kali. Kali Ma. I wonder how long we'll survive that one. It'll be great. Okay. So do I, actually, you know. She gets a bad rap, but she's awesome. She's cool. Well, I would say she's not cool. She's hot. She's hot. She's a hot mama. Hot and spicy. And spicy, actually. So with that, we bid you uh, a fair fond well, and we will hopefully all literally see each other through the mists of the smoke clearing. Yes, pray for rain for California. Pray for calm weather everywhere else. And peace. Yeah. We haven't gotten to the time where we're running around in December going, pray for peace, it is peace, it is peace. We're doing it right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it is that kind of situation. May you all be safe, and we will see you on the radio. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Bye. Bye.